אז נדברו יראה אדוני איש אל רעהו ויקשב אדוני וישמע. I don't take this address this morning lightly at all. But I believe that is a, uh, a very, very important derash. So important that the Navi says in Malachi that when God-fearing people come together, Yireh Hashem, as yourselves, we're in the presence of the Shekhinah. As nidberu Yireh Hashem. When Yireh Hashem come together, Ish il Re'ehu, this catches the attention of the Boreh. Vayakshev Adonai Vayishma. So I come with great fear and trepidation this morning. Besides, in front of all the great Mahanchot that are in front of me, but I am well aware that the Shekhinah is present and he is listening attentively to what is being said here. And although I'm also well aware that I'm unworthy to say too many things, or if anything, that you probably don't know already, and I apologize, but I was invited to come and I did not refuse the invitation knowing my limitations nonetheless. I do consider it a distinct and rare privilege to be here at a function that's dedicated to the prime movers of the educational process, and that is the teachers. As a rabbi, I know that we give a lot of attention and honor to the contributors of the yeshiva, to the donors of the yeshiva. We make a big fuss about the people that give money to the yeshiva. But I believe that it is the teachers and the menahalot that obviously are the unsung heroes, and they deserve if not more of the respect, but all of the respect. But what shall I tell you? The Talmud is correct when it says, Olam iti, that the world is topsy-turvy. And we find ourselves, because I'm a teacher as well, we find ourselves, unfortunately, on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to career choices. And that is indicated in many ways. First and foremost, if we're going to be practical, it is manifested in our meager salaries. It's clear that we are underpaid. A teacher once was visited by one of the wealthy men on the board, and the teacher was in the room, and the kids were jumping, and they were rowdy all over the place, and the rich man said to the teacher, it's a bunch of monkeys. And he turned to the teacher and he said, you pay us peanuts, you get monkeys. <laughs> so, I didn't come to solve that problem today, although somebody that's more influential than myself, I do believe should address it. I don't know why there's money for so many other things. 
United States of America spends so much money on education. I'm not saying that they do a good job at it, but at least they recognize that that should be something that they put the lion's share of the economy towards education. I don't know why that in our nation we don't, we don't do the same. And clearly we're doing a much better job. I once heard about a teacher uh, in July that came to the yeshiva, probably was a rebbe, and he came in a fur coat. It was 100 degrees outside, and the, the dean came to him and said, Rabbi, it's 100 degrees outside, but you're wearing a fur coat. He said, oh, it's my mistake. I looked at my paycheck. It said January. <laughs> so, it is true that it is a underrated, underrespected job. And then it's compounded that at least we would hope that we would get respect from our students at least. At least they must appreciate what we're doing because, you know, what does the rich guy in Manhattan know what we're doing? What does the administrator know? But the students that are in front of us, they must see our Mesidut Nefesh, and they see day in and day out all our preparation. And then to add insult to injury, we find that many times even the student doesn't even appreciate our hard work. Well, if you feel like that, you're in good company. Because there was a great rabbi called Rosh Shlomo Zaman Oyerbach, who was one of the Gedolei Yisrael. And he would give a, a deep, Talmudic shi'ur in yeshivat called Torah. And his custom was, before he would enter the, the room where he would deliver the shi'ur, he would make a prayer. People thought that the prayer was that he shouldn't make a mistake, which is an appropriate prayer that teacher should make anyway. But that wasn't what he was praying for. He said, I'm praying that I don't lose my my temper and I don't lose my, my patience because I know that I prepared this shiur for a lot of hours. And I know there's going to be some students when I'm giving this shiur, they're going to be playing with their pen. They're going to be fiddling around. Students are going to be looking aimlessly in the air. Some are going to be talking to each other. And I pray that I will control myself and not to humiliate or say something that will be hurtful to the student that doesn't appreciate what I'm about and what I'm delivering them. So, it happened to Rav Shlomo Zaman Oyebach. Why do you think you're going to be any better? And he was delivering first class, high level shi'urim. Our students appreciate us usually later on after they graduate. And most of the time they don't get a chance to come back and even tell us that. But once in a while that they do come and tell it to us, you have to know that that's not the exception. What makes them exceptional is they came back to tell us the impact that you had, but there's hundreds of them like that. And they just don't have the dedicated to come back and say thank you. So it's a thankless job, what should I tell you? Now I didn't come over here to make you more depressed than you already are. <laughs> Although, I just am being realistic, I guess, that we know what we're dealing with. So I think it's such a good idea to bring 
the movers and shakers of the Jewish people. The movers and shakers of the Jewish people are the teachers. They are the catalyst for all the good things that happens to our nation. And it has always been like that. It always was about Moshe Rabbeinu. It always was about Aharon. It was always about the tzaddikim that taught. Our generation, it's a superficial generation. So we get caught up with all the, all the flair and all the nonsense and all the, the bells and whistles and we forget, we forget who's, really, who's really guiding and, and leading our nation to the future. So I begin today's dirash with a pasuk, which I think is appropriate. That was in this week's perasha. Shem'u na hamorim. No, not rebels. By no means. If you look at the Rashi on that pasuk, he learns that Hamurim is also referring to teachers. So I say to all that are in attendance here this afternoon, Shem'una Hamurim, please listen to the message that I have come to deliver. And don't think that I'm talking forward, I'm talking to myself as well. Whatever Hezuk that you think you need, I need the same Hezuk. Therefore, I feel it's okay for me to talk and I'll follow the rule of the Gemara that says, Migu de Zachi lenafshe Zachi nami lehavre. That Migu, that since I can benefit for myself, so I'll talk out loud and others can benefit as well. Many years ago, when I was in high school, we had a custom during Asiri Teshuvah to actually come to this neighborhood. Um, New Square. What were we doing there? A bunch of Sephardi boys from the Syrian community doing in New Square. It's clearly we don't <laughs> fit. We used to visit a great Sadiq called Rav Chaim Brim, Allah Shalom. Chaim Brim was, used to be there for our city, Meteshuvah. He was the Shaliyah Sibud over there for the Kahal. And he was one of the great, great rabbis of our people. And we would always get to meet the Square Rebbe. And we would walk into the Rebbe and he would give us a Devere Torah and a blessing that we cherish. And I never forget when my Rosh Hashivah of Hillel Haber walked into the square Rebbe and first he looked at him and said, Yiddish? I said, no, 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 no Yiddish. He said, okay, and he spoke in Nashona uh, Kodesh or maybe even English. And he was talking to the Rosh Hashim, he wasn't talking to me, but I have a bad habit of eavesdropping. I don't think it's eavesdropping, I think it's shimush tamidehachemim. I want to see what he was telling the rabbi, I want to learn from the rabbi. So I nudged my way in there, made believe I wasn't listening, but my ears were very attentive. And I heard the square rabbi tell of Hillel Heib at the time, he said, you are fulfilling the mitzvah of the halachta bedrachav. The Gemara says that we have to follow in the ways of God. Mahu afata. Everybody's trying to figure out a way. How could we be godly? How could we be divine? So it's very easy if you want to be like God, emulate His ways. Halachta bedrachav. Mahu afata. So I was waiting to see. I know my rabbi was divine and special and holy. 
But I wanted to see what the square Rebbe saw in my rabbi, that he was acting in the way of God. And he said, after all, are you not a teacher? You teach Torah. He says, yes. So you're a Melamed. Yes. He says, well, every morning in the morning blessings we say, Baruch Atah Hashem HaMelamed Torah Le'amo Yisrael. God is also a Melamed. So God is also a school teacher. And therefore, Mahu Melamed Af Melamed. Now if that doesn't perk you up, and if that doesn't take you out of the dumps, nothing will. That God is referred to as not a scientist, and God is not referred to as a lawyer, although he is referred to as a doctor, but God's main profession and the career that God chooses to identify himself by is a milamed. And so much so we make a beracha on that. God is a teacher. During that meeting, after the square rabbi said what he said, he told us that there was a great rabbi called Vihaskel Avramsky, and he remembers him in Jerusalem. He says once Vihaskel Avramsky went to the Kotel Ma'aravi, the Western Wall, and he turned to Borei Olam and he said, Dear God, please send Mashiach. And he said, and if you ask me, he's talking to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, like he's talking to a friend. He said, and if you ask me why I want Mashiach, because Mashiach is going to be a great teacher, and he's going to have a lot of wisdom, and he's going to teach Torah, and I want to learn Torah from Mashiach. But dear God, if you don't send Mashiach, then please teach me Torah directly yourself. Haskell Avramsky was coming along to the greatest teacher of all, the Boreh, the Milamed, like we do every morning, and we're saying, teach us. So, we're in good company, and guess what? I'm sorry to tell you, and I say this very cautiously, but unfortunately, HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't get the right respect he deserves either. It's part of the job as well. Go look, look, look what goes on in the world. Look how many Poshim and Mordim, rebels, and look how many people, how many countries are built on atheism that deny God. And those that come along and distort God's word. And even if they agree in his existence, but that's as far as it goes. So, that's the facts. If you're a Milamed, you have to be willing to, to overcome the ignorance of those that don't recognize our power. But there was a rabbi called the Primigadim. I don't know if you ladies, I don't expect you to be learning the commentary of Primigadim on Shulchan Aruch. That's man's business. But you must have heard of him, Rabbi Yosef Teumim. Ask your husbands, ask your children who in yeshiva, who the Primigadim was. They'll tell you, you cannot learn a halakha in Shulchan Aruch or a Haim or Yure De'ah without consulting with the commentary of Primigadim. He is indeed one of the masters. And the Primigadim, in his introduction to his Halakha Sefer, writes, and I quote, Yes, shezochim leharbitz Torah barabim im talmidim. Some have the merit 
that they're able to teach Torah and grow students. And the small kids become big goats. He says, there are people that do that. And then he writes, But there are some that do not merit that lofty position to teach. So then they have a fallback position. And what is that? They have to write books and they have to write sifarim, which according to the Primagadim is Bidi Avad. If you could teach, you should teach. But he says, and those that weren't Zocher, so they have to sit and, and write books. So at least they'll have some impact on the nation. But when he would sign his name, the Prima Gadim, when he would sign his name on a teshuvah or in a letter, he would sign it as follows. Neum Hatsair. Yosef Makre Dardekem Levuv. The school teacher from Levuv. Could you believe it? He did not sign his name. The Baal Mehaber Sefer Prima Gadim Al-Shu'an Aruch, which is his magnum opus. We know him as the Prima Gadim, but he was more proud. I'm the Melamed Dardeke to the children of Levuv. And then he would sign off and say, Eved Ne'eman Hazman. I am a loyal servant to the students of my time. To the Prima Gadim, that was even more important than the book that he wrote. And everybody in attendance today, to one degree or another, are ne'emanim or ne'emanot, the Talmideh Hazeman, to the students of our time. On Motzei Shabbat, I had the privilege to have Melaveh Malka slash Seva Berachot by my home. And we were graced in the presence of great rabbis of Israel, including Rabbi Koladetsky, the son-in-law of Chaim Kalievsky. And we were enjoying telling stories like we do on Moshe Shabbat of the Sadiqim. And then Rabbi Kaladatsky said, you know, Rabbi Mansur, you have a great rabbi in your people, Hakam Abadiyah Yosef, Alava Shalom. He says, do you know, will you allow me to tell, me, tell you a story about the rabbi? He said, of course. And he said, Hakam Abadiyah, Alava Shalom, is known for his books. He writes, he had a beautiful pen, clear language, and he wrote many, many sefarim, over 60 sefarim. And he also would teach. He would go from Bet Knesset to Bet Midrash and give shi'urim. And he started to notice that all these shi'urim that he was giving to the people were taking away from his, from his writings. And he was contemplating maybe just to commit himself to the books and maybe slow down his teaching schedule. And then he had a dream, and in the dream, the Ben Ishai comes to him. The Ben Ishai is the Ben Yosef Haim in Baghdad, the great Ben Ishai, Kadosh Ve'elion. And he tells Acham Abayan the dream, you don't recognize and appreciate the Nahatruah that you're giving a Kadosh Baruch Hu when you're teaching. Your books are very good. But don't stop teaching. It's not worth it and it's not Kedai. 
And it was from that dream that Shalom not only continued teaching, but redoubled his efforts. He started to go from place to place throughout the country. He didn't stop writing, but he was told from heaven, teaching is of the essence, and we don't give that up for anything. Which reminded me of a story that I then told Rav Kaladesky, and he appreciated it that I heard regarding the great Admor Mijavil. Well, I guess if, if he's going to tell me a story about Ahabavadja Yosef, I'll tell him a story about one of his rabbis. And the Admor from Mijavil was known to be a great, great Sadiq. And People would come to him for all sorts of advice. Maybe he even had Ruach HaKodesh. And if he didn't have Ruach HaKodesh, he had something that's very close to it. He had very clear vision on everything and he would see things like nobody did. So people would come and ask advice. So one of the rabbis in Avrech and the Kolel in Jerusalem went to the Admor and he said, I'm learning good. My learning is strong. But I'm thinking, now I need to go out a little, and I was offered a job to be a Rebbe. But I know it's gonna take away from my learning. So he asked the Admor, what do you think? So he said, what do I think? He says, you must know that you ask this question as if it's a downgrade of some sort. That you're leaving the Kolel to do teaching as if you're you're doing something that's menial or degrading. He said, let me tell you something. He said, when Moshe Rabbeinu was to appoint Yehoshua ben Nun to be the next leader, the successor. So the Pasuk says, Kah et Yehoshua ben Nun. So the Admor said, if you look at Rashi over there, Rashi's bothered with the word Kah. What do you mean Kah? You don't take a person. Moshe wasn't told to manhandle Yehoshua and grab him and take him. You take a hefetz, you take an object, but you don't take a person. What does it mean, kah? So that she writes, kah et Yehoshua ben Nun, kahenu bedevarim. No, take him with a good word. Explain to him what he's about to be doing, and that's how you'll take him. Convince him verbally, kahenu bedevarim. And what does God say that Moshe Rabbeinu should say to Yoshua? Ashrecha shezachita lehanhig banai banab shel makom. Ashrecha Yoshua shezachita that you have merited to lead the children of Akadosh Baruch Hu. And that Mor Mejavil then turned to this Avrech and said, do you understand what a school teacher is? Whether it's a man or a lady, he said. He started counting on his fingers. Whether it's a man, whether it's a lady, whether it's a teacher, whether it's a menahel, whether it's a menahel. He went through every single position that's shayach and has any connection to the yeshiva. And he kept on counting, whether it's this and whether it's that. Do you understand that there's a bat call that comes down every day to that soul of that person and says, Ashrecha shezachita lehanhig banav u benotav shel makom. 
Do you understand what it means to receive such a calling from, from the upper worlds? How much would we pay for such a, a, a distinction, for such a recognition? He says, and you're questioning if you leave the Kuleh for a few minutes? So you can hear the voice of God, and then he said, if the Gerarebi would come to you and say, I have a son, could you teach him Torah? You, 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 would, you would feel so, so high. The Gerarebi is asking me to, to teach his child. You'd go and brag around the whole world. He asked me, there's a thousand boys in the yeshiva, he chose me to do it. And how would you go to work the next day? You'd prepare the whole night to come because this is the Rebbe's boy. He says, don't you understand? This is not the Rebbe's boy. This is the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And if we have found ourselves in this position, we have won the lottery of life. God has chosen us from the millions of Jews. And he has said to us, Ashrechem shezachitem. Fortunate are you, fortunate are us that we have merited you're not teaching anybody's children. You're not teaching biological children of parents. You're teaching banab and benotav shel makom. And we've been entrusted by them, by God himself, by him. Now it's true we have to answer to the biological parents on Parents' Teachers' Night. But we're not working for the parents. We only have to answer to the true parent, and that is a Kadosh Baruch Hu. Echad Yahidum Yuhad. And we might get a tongue lashing from the parents. We're not doing this right, and we don't know how to do that. And they'll find a thousand and one ways why we're wrong and why the parent is more capable to be a teacher than us. Trust me, I know it. All my congregants think they could be a better rabbi than me also. And they let me know it from time to time. You should have said this and you could have said that. Although I would never have the audacity to tell them how to run their business. But everybody thinks they could be a teacher and everybody thinks they could be a rabbi. Kulanu hachamim, kulanu nevonim, kulanu yodim et kola Torah. The Haggadah told it to us from day one. So, we should feel very, very empowered and very good about ourselves. We've been chosen to emulate God. And we've been chosen to receive a daily message. That's what Admorabam Zvil said. But there's a postscript to this story. Later on, the great Netivot Shalom, that's the Admor from Slanum. I know some of you are thinking, what does the Sephardi guy think he knows about all these, all these great rabbis that come from a different part of the world? A few years ago, I was in Eretz Israel by Rabbi David Abu Hasera from Nahariya. And I visit the rabbi often. And Rabbi David told me at the time, he said, Rabbi Mansur, your neshama is neshama kilalit. You have a universal soul. <laughs> I never knew that. I said, what does that mean? He says, you're connected to, to all. You're not only connected to the Sepharadim and the Syrians. You like all the Hakamim and you like all the Tzaddikim. And therefore, 
Do not limit yourself only to the rabbis that have, you know, Sephardic-sounding names. You have to learn the Torah of all the tzaddikim. Your neshama is connected to all of them. So, that explains, when I say that the Nitivot Shalom, the Slonim Rebbe heard what the Admor from Jvil said, that school teachers get a daily bat call that comes to their soul and says to them, Ashrichem Israel shezachitem lelamed velanhig benotav and banav shel makom. He couldn't believe it. He said, I have to go myself to hear it. And he made a special trip and he told the Rebbe, he says, I don't want to hear this klishelishi. I want to hear it klidishon. Could the Rebbe repeat it to me? And the Admor Mislanim and them would say this over and over again to all the people that would visit him. Look what an impact that means. It seems even he needed Hezuk. And he needed to go to the Rebbe in order to hear, to make sure that that is, that is authentic and that what he said. All right, so that's, a, that's an introduction. Now I'd like to make one point Happens to be in the Perasha, but I probably would have said it anyway, even if it wasn't. I don't know if you noticed that towards the end of the Perasha, there's a, there's a song. As Yashir Yisrael et Hazot. There's a song that's sung in this week's Perasha, and it's the song of the Be'er, it's the song of the well. B'nai Yisrael was singing about the, the water. And it bothered me. I mean, we'd all appreciate the need of water. But nobody ever thought to sing a song. The water song? I mean, what about the man song? I mean, what about the Anane Kavod song? There was a lot of great stuff that was happening in the Midbar and we didn't sing. And all of a sudden, when it comes to the be'er, the water, yes, albeit it's life-sustaining, but without the Ananek Kavod, we probably wouldn't have survived a minute in the Midbar as well, and clearly the man, and nobody thought to sing a song for that. Why is it then a song that is sung on the water? So I searched to see if any of the Mefarshim asked this question, and to my delight, I found the great rabbi, Orahim HaKadosh, Rabhaim ben Attar. I'm happy that we could quote this rabbi because his yurt site is in a few days, on Thursday, the 15th of Tammuz. Orahim HaKadosh was so holy. The Baal Shem Tov said that he, he has, the Baal Shem said, I am the nefesh of Mashiach ben David, and Orachim HaKadosh is the ruach of Mashiach ben David. And he said, if we can only get together, the Mashiach will come immediately. And Orachim HaKadosh, they never met. But Baal Shem tried to meet him. He got all the way to Constantinople. In Istanbul, he got to, in Turkey, and then there was a big storm and he had to turn around. It wasn't the time. And the Orachim HaKadosh, the Baal Shem was connected to him. 
One time the Baal, the Baal Shem was making the Tilat Yadayim in Saudash Lishit in Mezhbuz. And after he made the Tilat Yadayim for Saudash Lishit, he said, Oh, and he turned to the Tamidim and he said, Kavanir Hama'aravi, the light of the West has been extinguished. The Ulamakadosh has passed. They didn't have WhatsApp. Shabbat, anyway. And sure enough, they found out after exactly when the Baal Shem said it, that's when he passed. And they said, how did you know? He said, it's known that there's a special kavanah, al-piha kabbalah, during the tilat yadayim that Hashem gives to one tzaddik of the generation. And it's known that the Orachim HaKadosh had that kavanah. Today when I was washing, the kavanah came to me. I knew that must be, there's no more Orachim. He's buried on Harazetim. Every couple of years the Arabs come, they try to knock his grave down. And every time they try to knock it down, the tractor falls, and the guy who tries to do it dies and perishes. I hope they continue. Orahim <laughs> Kadosh says, and I quote, Sarikh Lada'at, it's on the Pasuk Az Yashid Yisrael, it's in Perek Chaf Aleph Pasuk Yud Zayin. Az Yashid Yisrael, Sarikh Lada'at, Shirazu Mativa. What is the nature of this song? Gam Lama Lo Amru Shira Al Haman. Why didn't they sing a song on the man? Kemosha Amru Shira Al Hamayim. Veefshar. It's possible. Kishirazu Ala Torah Amaruha. It's not the water song, he says. It's the song on the Torah. And he goes on to say, because ask yourself a bigger question. When we came out of Mitzrayim and God split the sea for us, which was a physical miracle, as Yashid Yisrael, we sang a song. And then when God gave us the Torah Har Sinai, there was no song. Nobody thought to sing. We have the most beautiful songs that we sing on some hot Torah. Nobody thought to start singing a song in honor of the spiritual gift of the Torah. Says Dora Hamakadosh. Yes, they did sing a song. They sang it now. Now they gave a song, not on the Mayim, the physical waters. This was a song that was sung for the spiritual waters. The spiritual waters of Torah. Now they sang the song. And I quote the Rav's words. We should have no claims on the generation of Dora Midbar. Why didn't they sing a song when they got the Torah? It's worthy of our praise. This is the Shira of the Torah. Be'er is a reference to the Shekhinah that gave us the Mayim, which is the Torah. And he goes on to explain how the whole song is a reference to the Torah. So don't say Shirat HaMayim, it's Shirat HaTorah. I asked a simple question. Why now? This is in year 40. We got the Torah in year 1. Talk about a delayed reaction. 40 years later, now all of a sudden, what, what happened that they also woke up and said, oh, it's time to sing. Time to sing on something that happened 40 years prior. 
I'll tell you what I said in previous years, just I'll be up shot, a simple answer. When it came to splitting up the sea, we recognized the miracle immediately. So we broke out in song. But when we got the Torah, it took us 40 years to learn it. We had to learn the Torah for 40 years with Moshe Rabbeinu. After we made a siyum, al-kola Torah kula, now we said it's time to sing. It takes time to appreciate every pasuk and every nuance of the Torah. But today, l'chvod, the kehilah that's in front of us, I'd like to say a new idea. This song is sung immediately after the passing of Miriam and Nevi'ah. That's when they decide to sing the song. I mean, that's the event that takes place right before this. Torah comes and tells us about the passing of Miriam. Actually, if you paid attention, this was one of the most tragic parashiyot. In this parasha, we lost the Harona Kohen as well. And actually, we were told that Moshe Rabbeinu was going was to have his demise as well after the story with Memiriba. Could you imagine in one parasha we lost all three? But don't underestimate. Miriam. We would say, Moshe, oh, Moshe, the transmitter of the Torah. This is a tragic loss for Klai Yisrael. Aharon also is by, by, by the side of Moshe, like it says in Pirkei Avot, Oheviteberiot umkarevan la Torah. Aharon was pan parcel. When Moshe Rabbeinu came down, the Gemara Eruvin says, the first one that he taught the Torah to was the Aharon. That was the first in the Mesorah. So Aaron is right there teaching Torah to Am Yisrael. So you have the two great teachers and Miriam, the sister, Tzadeket, of course. Uh, uh, Nevi'ah, unbelievable. Oh, she was also a midwife in Egypt. She has an unbelievable resume. I'm not minimizing it. But there's Moshe the Aaron in that. Miriam. I would have thought that if you're going to sing a song Praising Torah, that should be done when Moshe passes away. He's a transmitter. It should be done when Aharon passes away. This week's Perashah. Aharon's a transmitter of Torah. Now we should sing the song and appreciate what we had. The Tzadikim, the Medamedim, the Rabbanim, the Nevi'im. No. When the midwife passes away, when Miriam and Nevi'ah, now of a sudden they say, now's the time to appreciate what we had, and sing the song, Shirat Tamayim, as the Rab said, Shirat Torah. And I asked, why now? And I think the Torah, which is a book for the ages, is coming to teach us a practical lesson for us. It's true. Moshe is Moshe Rabbeinu. Without him, we don't have Torah. But guess what? Without Miriam, you don't have Moshe Rabbeinu. You remember that Amram and Yochebet, they separated. They decided that they're done with having children. Amram was the Gadol Ador. He felt that 
Halakhically, they should stop having children to bring them in such a world where they're going to be drowned in the, in the waters. And it was Miriam that came along to her father and said, you're making a mistake, your gezerah is worse than Paro. And somehow she convinced her father. And he remarried. And right away, Yochebet conceived and who was born? Moshe, when Moshe Rabbeinu was born, it says, He was good. The whole room was filled with light. But then already the Gezerah was in full swing, so they had to hide Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu was born on Zayin Adar. Three months later, he was taken by the authorities. No. The authorities came to take him, but before that, the mother, Yochebet the Miriam, put him in a basket and a teva, and they dropped him in the waters. Just do the mathematical calculations. If he was born on Zayin Adar, and they dropped him in the waters three months later, that's either the date, Vav Sivan or Zayin Sivan which is called the holiday of Shavuot, Zman Matan Toratenu. This was a, an omen from God that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be connected to the waters on this day, not the physical waters. These are the waters of the Torah. And just like he was retrieved out of the waters on those days, he was saved. This is an omen for what Moshe Rabbeinu is going to do on this day, many years later, over 80 years later. Same day, Moshe Rabbeinu is connected not to the waters of Mitzrayim, but to the spiritual waters of Torah. But who's responsible for Moshe? It's Miriam. She's the silent hero behind all the great things that happened to Klai Yisrael. If it wasn't for intervention, if it wasn't for insight, if it wasn't for giving advice to the Gadol Ador, if it wasn't for the fact that when Moshe finally was retrieved and she saw that he was not nursing, and she was concerned, so she went to her mother, she said, Ma, you have to nurse the baby, nurse your son, they'll pay you for it also. But nurse him, because the mouth that is eventually going to give the Torah cannot nurse from the milk of an akum. She was responsible for that also. She made sure that Moshe Rabbeinu received the nourishment. She, she followed the whole process. And therefore, nobody thought for a minute that Miriam was a less transmitter than Moshe and Aharon. Well, Miriam is right there with her brothers. No less. Gadol HaMe'aseh. On the contrary, the facilitator is even greater than the Oseh. And therefore, Bnei Yisrael did not want to undervalue Miriam. They knew that Moshe... But Miriam, they said, it's possible that they'll forget her because she was behind the scenes and she's responsible for everything. And therefore they said, if we're going to sing for Torah, we're going to sing when Miriam dies. And that was the greatest tribute to Miriam and Nevi'ah. And that is the great tribute that we have to all the modern day Miriam and Nevi'ahs that are continuing to facilitate Torah no less than the Rebbe's in the yeshiva and the Rosh yeshivas. Of course, they're going to receive all the honor as well because 
But the ladies are in no less of a prominent position. And if we're going to sing the song of Torah, it will be sung in front of, in front of the ladies. But I go one step further. The Gebarah says, and I'm sure you've heard this, that those that teach Torah, your students become like your children. And to a certain extent, they become like your spiritual children. And therefore, dear ladies that are assembled here this afternoon, you are the midwives of Klav Yisrael, not the biological midwives like Miriam was, but you are the midwives that are producing children on the spiritual level. You are following in the ways of the tzedkaniyot that have preceded you, that have dedicated their lives in order to teach Torah and to make these children connected to our neshamot. Ashrechem shezachitem lehanhig et banav benotav shel makom. You must open your ears to hear this hizuk that Akadosh Baruch Hu gives us every day. On the day that you see the kid fidgeting in class and you see that you're not getting the respect that you deserve outside and when you open your paycheck and you see that it's chaser, you have to say, God, I'm in the same boat as you. You're a milamid and I'm a milamid. And you have commissioned me to teach banab shel makom. Our compensation will come. Bore olam is not Bore Olam pays good. You could trust him. Bore Olam is emet. He will not hold us. But it seems that in order to succeed at this, it has to come with a certain element of misirut nefesh. But what I say to you today is stay the course. Do not be, do not be dismayed. Look around, we're all in the same boat. We've all have chosen You could be no prouder. There is no greater profession that we have chosen. Society, society never understands the truth. We live in a world of shekir, alma de shekra, olam afuch. If you're gonna wait to get recognition from the outside, you'll wait and wait and wait. Hazman ya'avor. But this is something that we know intuitively. And therefore I say to all of you today, Go with the strength that God has given yourselves and myself. You have been chosen. Although you think you have chosen this, you would not be able to choose this profession unless God had ordained you to do it. God decides who he wants to teach his children. And we were picked Therefore I say, Go take this strength that you have and bring salvation to Israel. Thank you.